Father, we thank you so much for your love and grace. We thank you that we can gather, and we thank you for those who are watching uh, with us, joining with us online. They're with us in spirit, but not in body, like Paul wrote to one of the churches, and uh, and I appreciate them. I thank you that uh, Dennis had a safe trip back here, and pray for his daughter who's struggling with a much more serious cancer. And Lord, we just thank you that we can uh, we can rely on you, and we are blessed beyond measure because you have made us your friend. And what a friend we have in Jesus. And so today, as we look at what it means to be a good friend, I pray that you would um, encourage us where we're doing well and remind us of the special people that you have brought into our lives. And I also pray that you would uh, encourage us to do better. Uh, to represent you in a more effective way as we love and serve our Lord and minister to people in his name. In Jesus' name I pray, amen. Uh, we're going to be looking in the book of Proverbs, uh, lessons on friendship uh, from the book of Proverbs and asking the question, are you a good friend? Now I'm just going to warn you right now, we're not going to look at every verse in Proverbs on friendship, but we're going to look at a few of them. And instead of hoping that somebody would come along and be your friend, I encourage you to challenge yourself and step out and be a friend. Uh, reach out to somebody. Uh, we used a song we used to sing, show a little bit of love and kindness. You, you can reach out and you can be a friend to somebody. So uh, I want to challenge you to think about that, okay? Uh, and the first one we're going to start is, is negative, that loaning money to a friend will likely destroy your friendship. Loaning money to a friend will likely destroy your friendship. So I should have told you, turn to Proverbs 6. Uh, we're going to be in Proverbs chapter 6. And, uh, you know, if if it's stress, if you're trying to make notes real fast and you get stressed by it, you can let Megan know and we can email you a copy of notes and the outline from today. That would be a very easy thing for us to, to do, to email that to you. Um, and then, or you can go online and listen to it again and again and again and then fill all your notes out. That would work too. So, uh, Proverbs chapter 6 uh, Solomon is writing as if he's writing to his son, and he says, My son, if you become surety for your friend, if you have shaken hands in a pledge for a stranger, you are snared by the words of your mouth. All right, now somebody who's less than 10 years old, tell me what that means. <laughs> See, we don't really understand. This is written in their culture, not in ours. So let's look back at it. And the first thing, my son, okay, we understand that, right? Talking about a family relationship. And in their culture, they could say my son and mean grandson too. Um, but uh, my son, if you become surety, this means you pledge yourself. So let's just say that you own a house. Now, some of you own a house, some of you own part of a house, and the bank owns the rest, right? Uh, but let's say you own a house outright. It's your house. And then you have a friend who really needs help financially, and so you help co-sign a loan for your friend and pledge your house toward it. 
That's what he's talking about in this. Your surety to a friend. You are pledging yourself to cover that person's debts. And that's not always a good thing. In fact, almost all the time, it's a bad thing. And so when you make yourself responsible for somebody else's debt, so if he's saying, if you have done that, if you have shaken hands in a pledge for a stranger, for, for somebody else, and you've shaken hands and you've committed yourself to them, then you are snared by the words of your mouth. Uh, when I was a kid, I was walking in the woods in Pennsylvania, and I stepped on a bear trap, and it snapped shut on my foot. And I screamed and hollered and yelled, and my dad thought I was dying, and he came running up, and I'm just screaming and crying, it's got my foot, it's got my foot. And so he untied my shoe and pulled my foot out, because all it had done was grab onto the bottom of my shoe. And, and I was fine. I wasn't even cut. But I was screaming like I was dying. But, but see, he's talking about you have set yourself in a trap. When you commit to be responsible for somebody else's finances, other than your family, like Kathy and I, our finances are completely linked, and everything she owns, I own, and everything I own, she owns, and we share uh, our bank accounts and everything. Uh, okay, that's fine, because we're married. We're in a committed relationship with each other, but I shouldn't do that for somebody else. I shouldn't. There's a warning. There's a caution in Scripture. And then he adds to this, the end of verse 2, you are taken by the words of your mouth. So here's his counsel. So do this, my son, and deliver yourself. For you have come into the hand of your friend. Go and humble yourself and plead with your friend. Give no sleep to your eyes nor slumber to your eyelids. He's saying, don't wait. Don't think, you know, one of these days I need to get out of this situation. He said, go do it now. Go to your friend, deal with it now. And then in verse 5, deliver yourself like a gazelle from the hand of the hunter. What do you think a gazelle does when a hunter shows up? It flies. It, it runs super fast and, and leaps over things and ducks and moves. And like a gazelle from the hand of the hunter, like a bird from the hand of a fowler. He said, you are ensnared, you are trapped. And if you don't run fast, you're going to pay a big price for this commitment that you have made. So loaning money to a friend will likely destroy your friendship. Here's what I have seen in the past. People get close. Closer than family. You know what it's like. You have some friends, and honestly, they're closer to you than your siblings are. They're closer to you, just super close friendships. And then, then you make this uh, commitment to them because one of them's prospering and the friend is not prospering. So the one who's prospering says, I'm going to bail out my friend. I'm going to help them. And I have known friends to borrow as much as $10,000 from a friend. Usually it's less money than that. But I've known them to borrow $10,000 from a friend. Anybody here want to loan me ten grand? Uh, no, uh, don't. I don't want the debt, okay? Uh, uh, if you wanted to give it to me, <laughs> I'd take it. You know, I, I wouldn't want to offend you. But... Um, but, uh, but I've seen this person prospers, and so they give money to this friend. 
And they're, they've like, shake hands, it's a handshake deal. Now, I at one point borrowed money from my dad, but I wrote up a promissory note and interest and I tracked it and I paid it off and, and, uh, and so, so that we had this com- concrete financial agreement. Uh, and so I don't, anyway, you may not want to borrow money from family. I needed to at that time, it worked out well. He was able to do it. But, but one of them gets in a bind, and then the one who has the money and loans it the money, then the one who got in the bind, they can't pay the money back. So how do you think that affects their friendship? How do you think it affects the friendship when it was 10 grand? You, see, it destroys the friendship. The friendship is over. Because the first person, no matter how they're prospering, it's very difficult to give up 10 grand. And so no matter how well you're doing to lose that, and generally, generally speaking, if someone can't get a loan from a bank, then you shouldn't loan them money either. Because if they're not trustworthy for the loan by those who make their profession of loaning money, then why would you think they'd be trustworthy to you? So... If a friend pressures you to give or loan them money, they're not being a good friend. Now, the Holy Spirit of God can encourage you to do that, and Kathy and I have done that. We have never signed a note with a friend or loaned money to a friend, but we have given money to friends when we really felt the Lord leading us to do this. And what we do is we give it to the Lord first, and then we hand it to friends and then whatever they do with it, even if they don't use it wisely, it doesn't bother us because we gave it to the Lord and then passed it on. Uh, And and I think it's fine to give money to people. If God leads you to do that, especially, then you need to do that. But be really careful about loaning money. Look over in chapter 17 and uh, verse 9. No, it's 18. 17, 18. A, A man... Devoid of understanding, shakes hands in a pledge and becomes surety for his friend. So Solomon, a very wise man and a very wealthy man, says, don't pledge your assets towards somebody else. Don't borrow money for them. Don't loan them money. So, loaning money to a friend will likely destroy your friendship. All right, let's step up a little more positively, sort of. This one's not super positive either. But second thing is that gossip kills friendships. Gossip kills friendships. And there's no age limit on this. The picture I have, some younger girls gossiping, and it destroys friendships. You're in chapter 17. Look at verse number 9. He who covers a transgression seeks love, but he who repeats a matter separates friends. You see, good friends are trustworthy. They're not going to gossip. They're not going to say, oh man, you, hey, hey, Kathy, want to hear what I learned about, about uh, Joel? <laughs> good friends aren't going to do that. And some people do that. Now, let me just give you some counsel, those of you who are younger, and, and uh, there's a lot of teenagers who gossip about other people, 
It's not just a teenage thing. Older people do it too. In fact, Kathy and I have said, who are the worst gossips we've ever known? Pastors. Present company excluded. But pastors. We, we have been embarrassed by some of the things pastors have talked to us about. In fact, one night when that guy left, we got down on our knees and apologized to God for sitting there and listening instead of throwing him out. Um, I think that was the last time he was over at our house, I'm pretty sure. Uh, but you can safely share a serious thing with a good friend. So here's what you do. You don't know they're a good friend yet, right? So you tell them a little bit. And if they handle that, okay, well now you can tell them a little bit more. And they handle that with grace and dignity and don't God, then you can tell them a little bit more. And eventually you can share your heart. But you don't find out somebody's a good friend by running around and telling everybody all your problems. Most people have enough problems of their own. They don't need to hear all of yours. But gossip kills friendship. When you can share your heart and with someone and have them keep a secret, they're a good friend. And I could name names here in the church of people that I have trusted and committed to. Some of them are now in heaven with the Lord, uh, but they have handled my personal issues very confidentially and appropriately and encouragingly, and that's what friendship's supposed to be. He who repeats a matter separates friends, but he who covers a transgression seeks love, reversing the order of that verse. We show love. All right, here's another one. Good friends help the most when life hurts the worst. <laughs> I, I had a friend, he got married, and uh, he was having trouble in his marriage relationship. And I talked to him about it. I said, hey, I know the vow you made in church. You stood up and said, for better or worse. He said, yeah, but I didn't know it was going to go from worse to worser. <laughs> okay, listen. Good friends help the most when life hurts the worst. Proverbs 17 and verse 17. When does a friend love? At all times. And a brother is born for adversity. A friend loves at all times. So, let's just say that you really embarrassed yourself. Really embarrassed yourself. Would a good friend be sitting there laughing at you and making fun of you? No. A good friend might laugh at first, but then they realize you're hurting and a good friend wants to help. A good friend doesn't want to rub your face in it. A good friend doesn't run around telling your other friends, you won't believe what he did, what she did. A good friend loves at all times. And I've said before, I've used the phrase, life hurts. And it does. There's blessings in life every day. The Bible says God daily loads us with benefits. But, but life hurts. And some of you, many of you would remember Pastor Gene Schaefer. He was the pastor here at Victory uh, before I came. And 
Uh, he had a lot of sickness, a lot of complications and problems. He had five separate chronic illnesses, and, and he had just compounding pain and suffering. And, and I would visit with him. We spent time together every week. I would go hang out with him. Sometimes I'd pick up lunch and take it to his house. Sometimes he'd fix lunch, and, and we'd spend a lot of time talking and praying together. And his son is married to my wife's sister, so he and I were friends long before I showed up here at Victory, and uh, he had to medically retire, and then he stayed and helped me for five years and uh, helped and served and, and was a blessing. And then he went home to be with the Lord, which was a loss for us and a blessing for him. Uh, but, but Gene was sitting there talking to me, and he said, you know, he said, I thought I had a bunch of friends. I had guys who'd call me and talk to me and want to have lunch with me, had a bunch of different guys. And he said, as my sickness has gone on, all those guys have stopped coming by. They don't call. They don't visit. He said, you're one of the few really good friends I have. Because he was hurting so bad. And you know what? When somebody hurts, we'd like there to be a reason, wouldn't we? We'd, we'd like to, there to be a reason and then we could fix it. How many of you like to fix things. I'm not talking about tearing apart your automobile and replacing it, although we have a few of those weirdos here, but no. <laughs> I, I, but you like to make things better for other people, right? We, we all like to do that. And so, but when the person can't get better and it's never going to get better, and the, what he has to look forward to is more pain tomorrow than he had today, for the rest of his life it's going to be that way. A good friend hangs with them. A good friend is there when life hurts the most. But there's more to it than that, right? Uh, a good friend also shares your joys without jealousy. A good friend shares your joys without jealousy. So sometimes people get jealous, like uh, two friends, and, and uh, I, I had a guy in the Marine Corps, I thought we were really close friends, and we did, hung out together a lot, he was in my wedding, and uh, we, we had a good, good relationship, and then I got promoted and he didn't. And now, then after I got promoted, then I got advanced position. It didn't, I didn't add a stripe, but I went from being one of the guys working in admin to become the admin chief. And um, our friendship didn't last, that promotion. And uh, after it was all done and I got out of the Marine Corps, then we could be friends again a little bit. But there was a jealousy of I got the promotion he was hoping to get. And there are people who do that. I, I picked this picture on purpose. Uh, if you're watching online, I don't know if you can see that picture, but uh, it's a couple. And it's a lady has her arm around the neck of a guy. I think she's just looking happy. It doesn't look like she's going to go, ah, you know. It's, it's a happy photo. There's a couple together. And I've known a lot of college friends who then one girl or one boy gets a date 
and it gets serious and the other friend kind of drops them. They're, they're jealous because their friend now has somebody significant in their life and they don't. It, it's awkward for some of you have had to endure the awkwardness of when your marriage ends and then you kind of lose all your friends because they're uncomfortable being around you now that you're divorced. That happens to some people. But real friends are there for you when life hurts the most and they're not jealous when, when you have joys. In uh, Ecclesiastes, uh, Solomon said, you weep with those who weep and you rejoice with those who rejoice. And so when your friend gets a promotion, you kind of wanted, you just, oh, well, this is God's will in my life and his life or her life, and, and I'm going to be happy for him. And so ju just be real. Be real with people. And if somebody's jealous of you and they say they're a friend, they're not really a very good friend. Sometimes. You can confront them, deal with it, and have a great friendship. Sometimes it's the end of the friendship. Hey, here's another one. Good friends give into the lives of their friends. They're not just takers. Because money can create shallow friendships. Look in chapter 19, Proverbs chapter 19. Look in verse number 4. Wealth makes Many friends, but the poor is separated from his friend. When you have a lot of money, a lot of people flock around. Uh, chapter 14, verse 20 says, The rich has many friends. And I'll look at verse 6. Many entreat the favor of the nobility, and every man is a friend to one who gives gifts. My dad said when he was in the state legislature that he suddenly had all kinds of friends wanting to buy his lunch because he was in the legislature and he could help impact the laws of the state of Arizona. And then when he left the legislature, he lost all those friends. They never called him and wanted to have lunch with him anymore because they weren't real friends. But real friends don't just take. Now, sometimes it's kind of awkward. You can have a friendship with somebody who's very wealthy. I had a friend in Texas. He was worth three quarters of a billion. Um, more than 750 million. At the time, I was worth about seven bucks. But, but we could go out to lunch and we could enjoy each other. When I was pastoring in Sawadita, there was a guy in the church. He had a lot more money than I did, and he loved to eat out all the time. I like going out to lunch, and when I was a business manager, I did it a lot. And as a pastor, I've done it a lot less because finances aren't as I made more money as a business manager. And, and so we, here I was, a pastor, and I would have liked to go out to lunch, but you, it don't, doesn't it feel a little awkward for you if somebody's always paying, right, and, and you're not? It, it, it felt awkward. And so I sat down with him, and I said, look, I really enjoy having lunch with you, but I can't afford to eat out that often. And so I feel bad if you have to pay. And it is awkward. I don't want to demand that you pay for my lunch. And he said, all right, here's the deal. God has blessed me. I've prospered. I have money. I enjoy lunch. You enjoy lunch. So what we're going to do is I'll pay and you pray. So that's what we did. 
he'd pay and I'd pray. And we have lunch together. But not once did I call him on the phone and say, hey, it's been a while since we've had lunch. When do you want to buy my lunch again? You know, and after lunch, maybe you can buy me a car. You know, uh, No, you don't push, you don't grab, you don't grovel, you don't take. Good friends give and invest. And you can have a friend, you can have a friendship with somebody who has a lot more money than you. Don't ask them for money. Enjoy the friendship. And some people think they can buy friendships. They think if they give you a little money, then they have leverage over you. Uh, Pete Rice, uh, an evangelist we support, and, and our church helps in his ministry. And uh, he and his wife have been friends for Kathy and I since longer than we've been here at this church, getting close to 30 years. We've been friends together. And, uh, and Annette, or Pete had a guy who really wanted to help his ministry. But as soon as the guy gave money to the ministry, he wanted to control how things were done. And he wanted to direct the ministry. And so Pete said, God has called me to this position and the board and I work on this and, and you're not gonna be the one making the final decision, that's my call. And that was a good call that Pete made. And that guy left and he took his money and he sent letters to all kinds of churches to bad-mouthing Pete when Pete did the right thing. Some people are weird about money. Some people think if you have two bucks and I only have one, you should give me 50 cents. If God has prospered you to have two bucks, then you can spend it the way the Lord leads you to spend it. And if God has richly blessed you, then God says, Give generously to the work of the Lord. Help people in need. But, but don't be a graspy person who wants somebody to give you money. And don't be a friend that's only a friend when you get something out of the friendship. I said that badly, right? You know what I mean. If you, if you get stuff, you want somebody to buy stuff for you, there should be a benefit to the friendship. You know, Tim Pennock and I, weren't friends when we first met. I was that old guy and he was that young guy and then we became friends. And there's a benefit to the friendship. But I don't think I've ever, oh, I did pay to fix your car window mirror once. I, that's the only time I've ever done anything to help him. And because we just give to each other and we benefit. Did I say it badly? Maybe. So we help each other in a lot of ways, but we don't throw money at each other, put it that way. And let's move on because I'm digging a trench here. But <laughs> this, this next one is from Proverbs uh, 22, that your friends will influence your life. Your friends will influence your life. And, and this is a negative influence that's mentioned in, in uh, Proverbs 22, verse 24. Um, <laughs> You know, sometimes I try and use an illustration, it undermines what I'm trying to say. So hopefully you got the truth out of the scripture, right? Uh, verse 24, make no friendship with an angry man, and with the furious man do not go, lest you learn his ways and set a snare for your soul. Now, some people are mean. They're grumpy and they're angry and they're fussy. Some people are snarky. 
they're just making fun of people. They're, and when you become friends with people like that, it influences you. That's why the psalmist said in Psalm 1, he said, don't walk in the way of the sinner. Don't sit in the seat of the scornful. Don't do those things because it influences your life. It rubs off on you. And when you make friends with an angry person, a cutting person, then it's going to rub off on you. Your friends will influence your life. So you need to choose friends wisely. Now, when you're a kid, you think, well, you know, I'm friends with whoever shows up at church, right? They're the other kids at church, and, and that's good. And you can have a friendship with them, but as you grow, as you mature, you want friends that are real friends. And I think it starts significantly in your teenage years. Because when you're younger, you could play with anybody, right? And then in your teenage years, you start to realize there are some people who are a blessing in your life and some people who are a drain. And, and the ones who are a drain, they're taking, they're not giving, they're not blessing, they're not encouraging. They're just kind of sucking the energy out of the room. And so don't make friends with those kind of people. And an angry person who's belligerent and you become friends with him, you're hanging around with him, it's going to rub off on you. In fact, it's proven by studies all over the U.S., by Christian studies and secular studies, meaning non-Christians, that if you have a job that's really a lot of tension on the job, guess what happens when you go home? You carry the tension with you. And that's why Jim Ricosi lives so far away from work. So by the time he gets home, he's left that behind. You know, there's, there's jobs that cause a lot of tension. And so your friends will influence your life. And the more you hang around with somebody who's behaving inappropriately, the more likely you are to do the very thing. And it's still inappropriate. All right, turn to chapter 27, and this will be it. We'll be in chapter 27. i got a couple of things. The first is that good friends speak truth in a loving and supportive way. They seek to help. They don't flatter or censure. They don't make fun of you or flatter you. They're genuine, and they speak truth in a supportive way. Um, Chapter 27, it'll help if I get there. thought I was there and I was only in chapter 25. Chapter 27, look in verse 6. Faithful are the wounds of a friend, but the kisses of an enemy are deceitful. Verse 9, ointment and perfume delight the heart, and the sweetness of a man's friend gives delight by hearty counsel. <laughs> so faithful are the wounds of a friend. So what, what's that talking about? Well, sometimes you need somebody to share something with you that hurts. You've been rude. You've been obnoxious. You're being unkind. You're not showing respect. You're not honoring your parents. You're, you're behaving badly. And sometimes you need a friend to speak that into your life. And a good friend will share that with you. Somebody who cares about you. 
they're going to share. So a real friend will tell you if you've blown it. A real friend will, will do that, but they'll speak the truth in love. They won't mock you, make fun of you, post it on uh, online, Facebook ads with your picture blowing it. You know, they're not going to do that. But they will let you know. So ladies, if, if you have a, a good friend, they will tell you if that beautiful dress really doesn't look beautiful on you. They will let you know that. And guys, a real friend will tell you when you need a shower. They'll, they'll let you know. And real friends will speak truth. Now, they won't be mean about it. You know, a couple of years ago, we had a situation going on at church, and it was, it was an awful situation that our church had to go through. Uh, a terrible situation that somebody created this bad situation. So I was talking about it with the leadership team, and Jeff Miller at one point said, I think you've shared enough. We don't need to hear more. And that was, I stopped right then. Why? Because my friend spoke truth. He wasn't rude about it. He wasn't obnoxious. He wasn't sitting there, shut up your mouth, man. No, he, he wasn't doing that. He was just speaking the truth in a way that would cause me to stop and listen. One of the things we have in our, in our meeting structure in our church is that when we're having a meeting, anyone can call time out. And, and so if we're having a meeting and, and somebody feels awkward, they could call time out. One time we were in a meeting, the leadership team in a meeting, and I needed to use the restroom, but I didn't want to miss out on the dialogue that was going on. So I called time out, said, I need a bathroom break, headed for the bathroom. By the time I got there, there I had to stand in line. I said, I'm the one who called time out. Come on. You know? but, but listen, a good friend is going to speak into your life, and you have to listen to them. You have to learn from them. We had a situation, you know, I have helped in Trek for, for quite a few years, and we had a situation with one of our Trekkers, and then the situation came up to Mrs. Pennock and Mr. Pennock. They are the directors of our Awana Club ministry. Awana calls them commanders, but that sounds a little militaristic to me, so we call them the directors of our club. And Clorinda said, in sweetness and appropriateness, you didn't handle that well. You should have come to me first before trying to deal with it and let us be involved and we could have handled it better. And I'm like, I'm the pastor, come on. You know, you know what I said? You're right, I blew it. Now, thankfully, we've never had an issue like that since. So, but if we did, I would go to Tim and Clorinda and we would talk about it and come up with a pattern to deal with it. Why? Because a friend speaks truth. It's not always stuff you want to hear, but a friend speaks truth. Now, another one, good friends show genuine concern for each other. This has got to be my favorite friendship verse in Proverbs, okay? Proverbs 27 and verse 14. He who blesses his friend with a loud voice rising early in the morning... It will be counted a curse to him. 
All right, so you call yourself a really good friend of Ben Qualls. You show up at his house at 5 a.m. Hey, Ben! He's not going to be happy because you woke all the kids up. And then if Ben does go out to breakfast for you, with you, Kat, uh, Teresa will really be unhappy with that. And so I got this picture of this little girl, you know, imagine this loud friend showing up, yelling, banging on the wall of your house early in the morning. That's not what friends do. I love that verse. That's just hilarious. So a real friend cares about people cares about their needs. And no matter how fun it is for you to hang out with somebody, you got to care about their needs. All right, one last reference, chapter 17, I'm chapter 27, verse 17. As iron sharpens iron, so a man sharpens the countenance of his friend. Good friends help you become a better person because they speak truth with love and care and concern. When it says iron sharpens iron, I had an illustration of this this morning. Kathy walked into our bathroom, our bedroom. I was getting ready to sh shave, and she walked in with a big knife, not planning to help me shave, but she, she's got to cut some stuff in the kitchen. And so generally, when she uses a knife, she sharpens it first. That way the knife stays sharp. Every, you, you keep going over it. Instead of use it, use it, use it for months, and then you got this dull knife, and... Okay, so she walks in, she's got the sharpener, right? It's, it's this round thing like a file. And then she, walk, she just came walking in to tell me something. So it, it affected our planning for the morning. And she's striking that. Well, you know, that striking of iron, how does it sharpen a knife? When you're sharpening a knife, what makes it sharper? What creates the opportunity to make the sharp knife? It's not there's this magical, you rub this on that and it's sharp. No, actually, it's the knife striking that iron and then a little bit of the knife gets chipped away. Tiny little microscopic points are being chipped away and then, man, now that knife is sharp. And she could walk out to the kitchen, go up to the, to the cantaloupe she was going to trim, and whoah, and go right through it. I think I heard her make that sound. I'm not sure. <laughs> Probably not, right? I didn't have my hearing aids in at the time because I was shaving. So, uh, but, but listen, iron sharpens iron, like, like that knife being sharpened. So Jesus was the only perfect person. Okay, you might need to remind a friend of that sometime. Some people are very hesitant to admit their uh, bad behavior or something, and, and they think they're almost perfect. Remind them Jesus was the only one who was perfect. Everybody else needs somebody to speak into their life and to speak truth. Everybody needs somebody. And your friends will influence your life. So you want to have good friends that help you become a better person, not bad friends that encourage your bad behavior. I've shared before that I was not a good kid, and I was not. And, but I always had friends, and they always wanted to get in trouble with me. They weren't good friends. 
And when I got saved, almost all of those friends dropped me. And most of my friends from my teenage years either got saved or went to prison. There's very few that didn't get saved and stayed out of prison. Because friends influence you. So you need to be the type of friend that encouraged the good stuff, that helps people, that uplifts, that strengthens, that encourages, that prays for and with others. You need to be that type of friend. And you need to be careful of the people you allow in your inner circle. Those people that you let in on the inside of your heart. You need to be careful who you allow in there. Because they will have an influence. So, this is International Friendship Week. Some observe it today. Some observe it a couple, the 30th, was it? July 30th. Some observe it July 30th. Some observe it today. But, but listen, God wants you to be a friend like Jesus. Jesus is the friend who sticks closer than a brother. Jesus is a friend to sinners. You be friendly. You be a friend. You help. You encourage. You strengthen. You uplift. You make people better just by hanging around. There should be an improvement. When you walk in the room, people shouldn't be going, oh, no, here's the loudmouth again. We have an opportunity to influence people and to be influenced by good people. So, International Friendship Day, be a good and positive influence on others.